Welcome to Pod for Teacher. I'm Aaron Fitzpatrick. I'm Nate Langelli. And I'm Brad Baldwin. So we've all been athletic coaches at one time or another in our careers. Um, today's topic focuses on the marriage between academics and athletics. Turn and talk. See what I did there, guys? Yeah, 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 let's slap let's, you. I'm let's not going to give you a lawsuit. I want to slap you. Don't slap me. Just turn and talk. That's what I'm, that's what I'm, uh, about your particular coaching experience and how you juggled that with your teaching responsibilities. Brad, go. I'm putting you on the spot. I'm Hit on it. The spot. All right. Uh, I've been coaching volleyball for about five years now, and it's been great having from, well, I, I also coach middle school volleyball and high school volleyball, so it's nice having from seventh grade all the way to seniors, building a relationship with those, with those players and, and having that rapport outside of the classroom and the, uh, off the court also, which is nice, just being able to, to see some familiar faces and help those kids get acclimated to the high school that they're coming up. Uh, very demanding to be a coach, especially as a teacher. A lot of times I see that line blurred. But it is nice to have that rapport with those students. And for me, coaching basketball, I did it for three seasons, uh, middle school and high school. It wasn't the academics juggling. Like, I, you guys are very well aware that I don't do much academically around here. So uh, that wasn't the hard part. Um, but, like, but, but like I found out, though, the, the hard part, though, was with relationships, like with Amy, having time with her, and then it's before we had kids. And now that we have two daughters. That's a big reason why I don't coach now. I just want to be able to spend more time with them because just time demands, you know, practices, games, traveling. I don't miss being on the bus, though. That is a nice, uh, nice thing, not being on those buses anymore. Uh, but anyway, I, I did enjoy it, though, while I, did, while I was there uh, coaching. I did coach one season at another school. Um, but just seeing kids outside the classroom, like you said, Brad, um, just seeing – because it's a little different, you know, different atmosphere, different environment, and building that rapport. Um, so I do kind of miss those sort of things, um, but maybe someday, maybe someday I'll dust off the old whistle and uh, get back there when, when, I don't know, when I'm older, perhaps. Yeah, um, I've had similar thoughts as well. I coached the golf team here for five years. You did a tremendous job, i got to say. Oh, tremendous thank you, job. thank you. Uh, we did make the playoffs one year. Fun fact: We went uh, we went twelve and two one season and did not make the playoffs. <laughs> it is a crazy competitive section that that golf team is in. Uh, but I digress. Uh, so I interviewed for that position my first year here, took over my second year, um, basically as a new teacher, willing to kind of jump in and do whatever. And I always kind of saw myself getting into coaching. Um, because I really enjoyed being an athlete when I was in high school. Um, I played baseball and uh, some would say I, like, I golfed. I mean, it, 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 it looked sort of like golfing. You see me golfing, it's not a pretty sight. So whatever you do is far and away much, much better. Well, you know what? Interesting prereq. Uh, you don't need to be a good golfer to coach the golf team. I, I learned that firsthand and um, somehow the team still found success despite, despite my deficiencies. <laughs> So, um, but as I uh, continue to kind of get into, um, you know, some of the media programs that, that I, I now uh, advise and, and teach here, uh, I found l less and less time to devote to coaching. And whenever we were getting dismissed at the end of the day and we were having to get sub plans ready for um, the people coming in to replace you and lining things up with the ADs and the other teams and the buses and all that stuff. I just became a little too much and I, and you, I know you, you guys know what I'm talking about. That, that's its well, own. See, that's the problem when you guys actually plan things. You actually have to then make plans for other people. If you just don't plan, then you're, True. you're good True. to go. Concept that, guys, I, always where were you whenever, right? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Hey, why weren't you my mentor? Hey, Ron. 
No comment. Um, but uh, after five years, I felt it was a good time for me to, to step away, especially once I found the best replacement a golf coach could ask for, and that is the the dean of all, and, and maybe actually we could say the coach of all. I think he coaches almost every <laughs> yeah, sport here yeah, at Freedom Now. Our, our, uh, our beloved dean, Tom Hickey, our, a former guest of the pod. Oh, so. tr- tremendous gentleman. Tremendous. Tr- tremendous gentleman, uh, an even better coach. Uh, <laughs> so uh, if you're listening, Tom, th- that, one's, that one's for you. But someday you might come back, right? It's go. possible. Yeah. It's and possible. If they just... It. Like I said, the, the John Gruden effect here, you put in the millions of dollars to go back out there. Um, maybe after someday if the dean ever leaves, and like, you know what? He set the bar so high, who can we get to try and not lower it too much? And uh, <laughs> you're like, that fits Patrick. I think he did a mediocre, no, he did a great job. Those shoes will be very hard to fill once they've renamed all of our athletic facilities, uh, Tom Hickey Field, Tom Hickey Stadium, <laughs> Tom Hickey Court. <laughs> But anyway, I'm not sure what we were talking about. Any anyway, back to our essential question here. This is going to be the focus of our the rest of our episode. So, how does coaching transform your relationship with your students, and how can a coach apply in the classroom what they bring to the court or the field, and vice versa? We'll be right back with our answers to those questions after this word from Lil Bow Wow. They're playing basketball. Uh, all around the world. To the beach, y'all. Is it just me, or did any of you guys actually originally think that Little Bow Wow was Snoop Dogg's son? I mean, like, it makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> How do you spell that? Uh, I believe I, I believe he's he's now just Bow Wow. He's grown up. Oh, I believe he, he dropped the not big Bow Wow. No, I think it's just or bark. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to back to the topic in hand here. Uh, we we found some article from somewhere out in the universe called "A Good Teacher Is a Good Coach" uh, from SportsConflict.org, and in it, the author states. Uh, side note: Anybody here? Anyone feeling? It's, it feels moist in here, doesn't it? Anybody feeling? Uh, maybe it's just the air, just the quality. It's a it's a, it's a bit damp. Da- maybe that's in the here. <laughs> anyway, back to this. Here you go. <laughs> It states that good coaches are able to motivate their pupils because they form deep relationships with them. It also says that a good coach knows when to step in and when to step back. Now, they are using Bobby Knight here as an example. We're going to go more for the positive thing, not the like throwing chairs and choking people sort of Bobby Knight stuff. Um, but the fact that they say that Bobby Knight, for example, often used to call it, refuse, excuse me, to call a timeout because he wanted to let his players solve the problems that they had created. And the point is that a good coach knows what buttons to push because she or he has an intimate relationship with his players. That is when the most effective classroom teaching occurs, too. So they're trying to make a correlation between teaching and coaching, just saying, you know, if you're going to be a good coach, you got to have that relationship. Being a good teacher, having that relationship, again, not the extreme Bobby Knight stuff, but the idea that knowing proper situations, like what are you going to do, when to step in, when not to, you know. Um, And we've all been there in coaching situations, when to call a timeout, when to make a substitution. Uh, when to throw a golf club at this person and when not to. That's and never like, happened. Hi, <laughs> uh-huh. <Yeah. laughs> I hate that Bob Barker. <laughs> um, I like this episode. But <laughs> We're just going to throw random things in here. Yeah. Catch all the movie references, you get a prize. Um, but basically, like, no, I, I like his approach there. I mean, how many times in your classroom have you, you know, if we told 
our students how to solve all the problems that were set before them, how great would be, be would we be preparing them to be problem solvers of their own? Right. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and the fact that like, you just allow them to say like, this is life. You know, sometimes in life, I mean, it's nice to be able to Google things. I love Google. Uh, shout out to Google if you're going to listen and give us a kickback. Cherry Coke hasn't paid us anything yet. We maybe haven't referenced them enough. But if anybody wants to pass this along, I personally am a big fan of Google. Google so. stock's a little higher than Cherry Coke probably, right? Uh, I would Is assume that, so. I would, I would assume. I would, yeah. We can, well, we can well Cherry Coca-Cola. Yeah, we could look that up. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to, but... It'd be nice if uh, in our mailbox we saw a nice little Cherry Coke one day just to can say, hey, thanks for the shout out. But, um, Baby steps. Anyway, in life, you can't always just Google certain situations, right? Like, how do I make this person love me more in this way? That's like, okay, maybe you got to figure these things out. You know, life is bumpy. Life is tricky. And so we got to wrestle through different things. And so, yeah, as a coach, as a teacher, um, that's a valuable lesson, I believe, that, uh, that we all can apply. Hey, school hard knocks. It helps. It really does. Um, but that brings me to... I'm sorry, I'm just interrupt. That's what you're going to teach uh, your little ones as they come into this world. Hey, right, you know? yeah, life, is, life is difficult. I know you, I know you want to be fed right now, but Grab come on. Grab the horn and do your best. <laughs> and that was, uh, that was the, the, the bizarre way we decided to, to, to let you all know that, uh, that, that Bradley here is going to be soon the, the proud father of two twin boys. Yeah, <laughs> so, the bald twins. The bald twins. <laughs> <laughs> They could come out with flowing locks, though. You never know. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> Dark brown eyes. <laughs> oh, back with the eyes. <laughs> uh, anyways, from the article, the bonus for a teacher of being a coach, it gives four areas that are enhance, enhanced because of coaching. Uh, number one, pay. I kind of scoff at that, but sure. <laughs> There's a little yeah, pay. I mean, a little bit of a little stipend there. Little yeah. Stipend. Yeah. Uh, student interaction, which which we've already talked about. That's a huge benefit. Of coaching, general responsibilities, multitasking skills. I mean, I can tell you, all three of us sitting at this table are better teachers because we are coaches and having a multitask and balance work and coaching, and mm -hmm. which is also work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and emotional and physical enjoyment, participating and practicing improves health. Uh, or improves health. Sorry, I'd agree with that. Coaching is a lot of fun. I don't think if it's if it's not fun to you, you shouldn't be coaching at that point. I think it's time to hang up the old gym shoes and and uh, quit coaching. But the fact that it's enjoyment, I think, really helps just make you a better teacher and a coach at the same time. And I would say it's the same mantra for like teaching. You know, if you don't love teaching, yeah, or maybe it's time to <laughs> hand in the old ID badge and say, "All right, peace out. I'm done." You know, yep. anywhere in life. You know, if you if you're not enjoying it anymore, then well, either you know, change what you're doing, change your approach, which is a way to go about it, or maybe move on to something else. You know, and uh, you know, Brad, I know as like as far as clubs are concerned, like we, you know, both of us end up uh, nine iron. <laughs> I see what you're doing. Oh <laughs> man, a dad joke. Uh, wait, how's that now a Fitzy dad joke? I didn't. I would not make a joke that terrible. Yeah, you make one worse probably. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no argument. <laughs> but um, as far as advising clubs, you know, here at the school is concerned, you know, I liked how you said about like, the emotional and physical. I was like, yeah, obviously, as a coach, you're going to be focusing on form and uh, you know, uh, like how well your players are at like, the sport in general, and, and you know that, that they know the the techniques and everything. But you still have to pay attention to like, you know 
are they on the same page with you? Like, or, you know, are, is, how strong is your rapport? Are you able to, to reach them? Like, do they respect you? Um, how, how, uh, are they interacting with their teammates and things like that? And that, that kind of goes hand in hand with some of the things we do in and out of the classroom as well. Um, but something that maybe some people don't realize that, that there's really a lot of effort that goes into that aspect of things whenever you're coaching too. Yep. Um, so, uh, the sport journal, uh, published an article about the, uh, the some of the challenges and conflicts that having those dual rules uh, might present to you. Um, and it brings up the point that coaching in addition to teaching can make for long and grueling work days, which we can attest to. Um, according to the author, males may devote 65.3 hours per week to these duties, while females may devote 50.1 hours. Um, this can lead to high stress levels for the individual, which in turn may cause role conflict. Um, External pressures such as parents, boosters, fans, and school administrators also can contribute to the choices made by teachers and coaches. These pressures may force the teacher or and coach to favor the coaching role over the teaching role. Um, in addition, the priorities of the community play a role in coaching and teaching motivation as they may work to meet their needs and desires. Um, that is a that is an excellent point um, because. Long story short, there's just really not enough time in the day um, to accomplish both of those jobs and do them both uh, probably to the level that you want to reach. Um, right. You know, you kind of sometimes you got to overlap and figure out when things fit and, and stuff like that. Um, not to suggest that all coaches um, prioritize coaching over teaching or that uh, that males devote more time than females or any of, any of those things, but uh, it's definitely... Um, at least in my experience, definitely presented a, a situation where during your workday, you're still concerned about what's going to happen with the early dismissal after school with the match, uh, when you're going to find time to get home and clean your house and make dinner and get ready for the Who next day, grade, you know. But the point is that kind of going back to what you said earlier, Brad, about the whole pay kind of scoffing, like if people are working 60 plus hours a week, so whatever that comes out to then, like 20 hours a week or more because of practices and games, if you divide that out by like how much you're actually paid, I'd be surprised if people are even making minimum wage per hour. You know what I'm saying? Like all the time you give to it, like with the planning, the prepping, the oh, summer, summer conditioning, the, the filming, the, all that. Season. Yeah. And so, I mean, the pay is nice, but it's nowhere near compensatory for what you do. Well, it's you know? definitely not hourly. It's like right. no, no, what no, you're no, making, no, right? No, no, yeah. No. Actually, um, something stood out that, that you mentioned in that article about the external pressures and like how parents, boosters can kind of um, persuade coaching decisions. And what, are you, what are you trying to say there, Brad? What? what? More enjoyment with coaching. I find that a little interesting that that, that would lean people towards enjoying coaching more than, than teaching. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> Have you had any issues with well, any parents or anything in the past that's kind of like made you frustrated? Because I know... It's yeah. a pretty solid community. I, I, I really haven't had any issues with mm -hmm. parents, but I find it hard to believe in some of these districts that I've heard horror stories about that that would lean towards motivation and, and coaching rather than teaching. Well, I would say from my experience, like now all the people that I've coached in this district, other ones, like they're all out of the school now, so it's not like anything current with families. But it seems like in general, from what I saw, is the most interaction, like parents have tended, in my experience, to care very passionately about the athletic side of things, the yeah. sports side of things, like whether it's playing time or decisions or this or that, more so than maybe academics at times, you know? And for, maybe that's right, maybe it's wrong, I'm not trying to judge either way, but there is a lot of, there's, there's a lot of passion there. There's a lot of people that care, 
Um, I mean, just look at so, just look at the NFL and ratings. And oh yeah, even beyond high school, all oh, yeah, everything. Oh yeah. yeah, athletics is definitely a priority in this country. And so I would never external pressures. This article kind of is saying that maybe teachers who are coaches make decisions because of the pressures as a coach, right? Like trying to, they want family or administrators to be happier with their performance on the field. And so they're gonna make decisions to try and make sure that their team is doing better at the expense of perhaps spending more time planning better lessons and academically. So I would say that could be a reality. I don't know if that necessarily happens in this district, but unfortunately I would say that probably is because sports, I mean, it is driving the community. Could be for the name being out there, could be financially, right? Ticket sales, could be whatever, boosters, people donate. Like, so that'd be a, that could be a tough line or a tough thing for certain coaches and teachers to juggle if they have to choose. Like, do, do I give up more teaching in order to push for coaching? Do I, like, I don't know, that'd be, that would be tough. It's a, and I think part of it's the, the difference between things that we do that uh, within the school system that are outward facing versus inward facing. Every single thing you do athletically comes out to the public. Like the public is there to witness sure. your successes and failures. Right. Yeah. Um, the public is not there to witness your successes and failures every time you give a paper or a test. Um, the other thing that I think is interesting is that every student goes to school and has to go through the academic side of things. Uh, a much smaller percentage goes through the athletic side, but the athletic side uh, kind of demands a lot of that focus because of the fact that it also guarantees you an audience and, and that's a large part of the perception of your entire school district. So that, that certainly a lot of pressures come from that, uh, that balance there. You're telling me parents don't look at test scores? <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyways, yeah, so off of that, we have another article uh, from Talks with Teachers, and it's an article that references Mr. John Wooden. For those of you unfamiliar with Mr. Wooden, won 10 NCAA championships with men basketball at UCLA, seven in a row, I believe, at one point, you know, a few decades back. But before he was this well-decorated college coach, he was an English teacher. How about that? Weird. Yeah, that could be uh, one of you guys here. Yeah. I did also read an article about him, like the attention to detail that he got. Like he taught his players how to properly like tie their shoes over and over, like how small things matter. And so like that's just an example as a teacher, right? Like most coaches would maybe bypass something like that. But again, so from a teaching background, um, kind of references him as an example. And then it also lists that this is a long list of what great coaches know how to do. And a bunch of bullet points here. Great coaches know how to dot dot dot. Develop skills on an individual and collective level. So, there you go. Provide immediate corrective feedback. Break down complex schemes like an entire offense into manageable steps. Build effective relationships with players and the community of supporters that last long past graduation. Challenge assumptions about what one is capable of doing. Communicate expectations with clarity and precision. Motivate stars as well as the last player on the roster. Strategically plan for the short term, your daily practices, as well as the long term and entire season. Support and encourage those lacking confidence and make changes on the fly. And you could even switch that out and say, great teachers know how to, and change a couple of words. And I would say that goes along so well. Like, great teachers know how to strategically plan for the short term. You know, your lesson plans for the day as well as long term. What do you want in a unit? What do you want for the year? Like, what are your long range goals that you're trying to do? So I think that goes really well with what we're talking about here. I mean, you could say all those fit with uh, what goes on in a classroom, maybe an effective classroom. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. I think we can we can all agree that if you know how to teach, you're going to be a better coach. 
not necessarily that you're a teacher, but if you know how to provide technical descriptions to an individual and know how to relate, you're going to be a better coach. And I think that's... No that doubt, good. right. And I, and I think the reverse is true, right? Better coaches are good teachers, right? How many right. people know their stuff? They know their X's and O's. They know the, the sport. They know the scheme. They know this or that. Yet they get fired all the time or they fail out or they do that. It's not because they don't know their stuff. And that's the same thing in teaching. Like, there's a lot of people who know their content, right? right. Yeah. Just because you know your stuff doesn't mean you're going to be a good teacher. <laughs> like, you I think you need to build these other skills. Sure. And I think post-secondary education is the, the perfect example of that. How, you know, it'd be hard to argue that your, the professors you had in college weren't experts in their area of study. But how many of those people were great teachers also? It's, it's you know, you, you, it, sometimes it's hard to relate your knowledge level to somebody who doesn't know as much of you in your content area. And uh, I know we've all had classes in college where you, know, you sat in an auditorium or a, or a large classroom and watched your professor talk for 120 minutes. <laughs> I don't know why I said 120 minutes. You get my point. Um, but, you know, put notes on the board or went through a PowerPoint and all you did was write the entire time mm -hmm. and then took a test or wrote a paper and then that was how you displayed your knowledge or whatever. Most of those people weren't great teachers. They were they're very brilliant in yes. their content areas, but the ones that were great teachers stood out because it was obvious that they knew how to relate that information to the people that needed to know it. Yeah. And the, according to NFHS, They've done some research and it indicates that the number of teacher coaches continues to decline nationwide. School districts are under increasing pressure to hire teachers based in large part on how well they prepare students for the academic performance tests required by state and federal governments. Often the question as to whether or not skill sets they could bring to the student body is not asked. It comes, becomes luck of the draw as to whether or not the faculty members in school are willing to be able to fill athletic and activity positions. Teacher coaches are a key element of promoting learning and citizenship within the student body. They are more likely to understand the philosophy and mission of an education-based interscholastic athletic program. Also, when coaches are in the building, it means that they're available to help guide and counsel their athletes through issues and problems that arise. Uh, I know that being a teacher in the district and having access to uh, just pretty much any door in the school has been really helpful and, and knowing teachers and, and the players' teachers has been such a such an effective way to get through to some of the some of the girls and some of the players and helping them out more than just being a uh, well, it's funny. On day one I always tell them they're students first and athletes second. And I think you guys all agree with that statement as well. Um, I mean being a teacher in the building is really, really helpful to to kind of mm -hmm. solidify that that philosophy. Sure, and even coaches that aren't teachers that, that kind of uh, really like push that philosophy stand out to me at least above the others. You know, I've had coaches in the past get a hold of our faculty and say, hey, keep us posted right. um, how, how my players are doing or whatever, you know, they'll run laps, they'll, they'll whatever, I'll, I'll make them miss practice, they'll sit in the library, they'll come to your class, whatever. Um, and, and I always appreciated that and I think that uh, ensures that the student athletes are also prioritizing academics over athletics, which is an extracurricular. Right. And I think if I'm hearing this article right, the main idea is there are many benefits to teacher coaches, right? Oh, There's sure. many benefits yeah. to having that um, continuity or whatever, but they're trying to say like with our society today with a big push on, could be standardized testing, could be scores, when people are becoming teachers and going through the process, that's not a focal point. Like administrators, schools are focusing on, okay, do you know how to teach this content area? And then them being able to coach is like a secondary issue. And I think that kind of goes along with the whole overarching thing, like in our society, are we neglecting important things 
just because they're not standardized tests, right? Like, are we neglecting foreign languages? Are we neglecting art? Are we neglecting athletics? When those things, as indicated by research, show that they are much more valuable in building a well-rounded student, right? And so they're saying, this is a hurdle. Like, how are we going to get more teachers to be coaches if, when people are being hired, that's not even asked? It's not even like a crime. But then how do you balance it? Like, you shouldn't be hired just because you can coach, right? That's not what, so like, I, I guess they're trying to argue, like, I would say you need to have a balance in that. But I would say it's true. Like, when you're being hired, maybe, they just, maybe that's not even a thought. Now, when I was going through, you know, we talked about the fact about basketball, maybe there was a position. That's not why I was hired, but that was at least brought up in, in the process. Um, but I do, I do think, like, culturally speaking, that maybe we don't focus on athletics and the fact that they can build key qualities that we want to see in our students. Well, it was interesting you said that, like how can we bring more teachers in that are willing to be coaches? Um, the article said that increasing stipends would help. Yeah. But that's, we all know yeah. how easy that is, <laughs> it, right? But I mean, yeah, there's various factors for why, and there's only sometimes, depending on negotiations or districts with finances, and this, that can, sometimes that's just tough to do, yeah. So um, when we come back, we're going to actually sit down with two of our good friends, two teacher coaches, if you will, um, our physical education and health teacher, Mr. Chris Conan, and, guys, the long-anticipated appearance of Uncle Griff. I'm, I'm looking forward to that because then we can go back and listen and then critique his performance on the yes. Like He so freely does us and gives us feedback and says, you know, you guys are terrible. You know, you guys, no, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say that. He gives good constructive criticism. Uh, so uh, selfishly, I, I kind of want him to mess up a little bit. Just no, I would, I'd never want That's Uncle impossible. Griff to mess up. No, he, he's, yeah, how could he mess up, honestly? Conan, on the other hand. We'll see. Oh, Brad. Well, you'll see. <laughs> um, so when we come back, our interviews with Chris Conan and Jeff Griffith. So stick around and we'll be right back. Podford Teacher is the brainchild of Aaron Fitzpatrick, Nate Langelli, and Brad Baldwin and is produced in their personal capacity. Opinions expressed on this podcast are the host's and guest's own and do not reflect the views of Freedom Area High School or the Freedom Area School District. Any account of this podcast without the written consent of Roger Goodell is strictly prohibited. All right, so we're back here with our good buddies, Chris Conan and Uncle Griff, Jay Hello. Griff, Jeff Griffith. Welcome, guys. Morning. Hey, thanks, thanks for having us. <laughs> Very lively group this morning. <laughs> Coco has had his cocoa. He is, uh, he is awake. <laughs> he is ready to go. We're functioning. <laughs> I'm over here just being my normal, pleasant self. <laughs> All right, so let's let's just jump right into it. So, uh, so you guys, you know, obviously uh, teachers, but also coaches. Um, our episode today has been we're talking about um, athletics and uh, how teachers sometimes find the balance between teaching and coaching, and and how that might affect your uh, rapport with your students and things like that. As coaches, what does the term student athlete mean to you guys? All right, I'll jump on that one first. Um, student athlete, it just it just means that they are they're versed in many different levels. You know, they can they they know how to multitask. They know how to to manage their time. And the first the the, the most important word is the first word. Though student, they're a student athlete. No matter you're starting in middle school all the way through college, you know academics come first. So they have they have essentially two jobs. I and mean, we always harp on our students about um, you know their job is to be in school, they're getting paid with their grades. 
well, the student part still exists, but then you add athletes. So after they're done with their day of work, then they go to a whole nother job where they have to work their tail off in season and out of season, producing the best they can on and off on their field. That's Chris. And just to kind of add on to what Chris said there, I think um, I think with student athlete, I think it's important to remember like there's a lot of like lessons, a lot of learning, a lot of educational opportunities that go into playing sports. Like when you're an athlete, when you're part of a team, um, some of the things Chris, you know, already mentioned is the time management, the dedication, like working with other people. Um, those things are important for kids, and I think it's an important part of their whole um, educational experience, like playing sports. You know, it's good for kids. Now, just from my own personal experience, I'm thinking that some students uh, focus more on the athletic part, right? And they think they're athlete students more so. Maybe you come across those people uh, in your yeah, in your experience you know, there. I might have been that person hey, when man. I was in high school, you know. And, um, um, but I'm just curious and kind of following up, is your teaching style, has that been impacted at all by your coaching experience and vice versa? Has your coaching been impacted, you know, back and forth? Um, I'll, I'll start with that one. I think... I, uh, I hope you do. Go for it. <laughs> Thank you, Nate. Um, yeah, I think as a, as a coach, you know, being a teacher has kind of helped me more as a coach. Sometimes, like, when I'm going through stuff, I look at it, you know, like I would for playing in a class. Like, you know, you look at, like, your objectives, like, what do we need to accomplish? You know, each practice, like, what are the things that I need to make sure we cover? Um, and just remember, like, it's not just, you know, coaches not just running drills. It's, you know, watching film. It's like, you know, talking to kids about, you know, strategy. Um, and then just the teaching of, of the skills and stuff like that, too. So I think a lot of the things I do in the classroom carry over um, onto the court. See, I'd go from the other side is I think coaching's impacted my teaching. Uh, you know, it, the, the relationships you build with the kids while you're on the court or on the field, those transfer back to the classroom. They see you outside of your normal 80-minute block. They get to know you as a person. You know, I know many times a year my family comes to a game. Well, then the kids have seen my family, know what I go home to, know what I'm about. You know, I see their parents. You know, they have a, they have a great game. Before their parents can even get to them, I get to them. You know, and they're built a relationship. They have a horrible game. The same thing. You're there to pick them up. So you have the highs and lows on the field and then you walk into school the next day and they see you again that just that continues that transfers I mean you, you don't even have to be a coach for that you go to a basketball game and the kids notice it they talk that's all they talk about the next day so let me jump in there well like what's the biggest challenge you guys face as a teacher and a coach well I think uh, one is just the time commitment um, you know, sure. Brad new coach now all of you guys here have coached at some point in your teaching career. Um, it's a lot of hours. You put a lot of time in. Um, there's practice alone. Then on top of that, you scout, you know, film. You watch film. You're making scouting reports, um, planning in practice. You say teaching. Tra traveling, <laughs> traveling on the bus, which is probably the worst part of, about coaching. Um, but it's, it's tough to, to, you know, just to fit it all in there. Then, um, as Chris said earlier, it's, it's neat the relationships you can kind of build with kids coaching carries into the classroom sometimes it can be tough though like you get on a kid really hard at practice and then you have them sitting in your first block <laughs> class the next day try to be enthusiastic yeah sometimes <laughs> that you know can create you know kind of a, <laughs> a different dynamic but in the day i think kids understand like why you get on them in practice and know what you're doing for you know to help them uh, it works out. this is, might be more important uh mr mr baldwin how many wins did you guys have this year <laughs> we had six. Okay. All right. 
that's the challenge, right? You're going to have more. Isn't that the challenge? No. Your team? We're just trying to win every we're, game in front of us. I'm rooting for young Griffiths. I'm throwing it out there for our for our 12 listeners, okay? We have this little friendly little rivalry friendly, going on. We'll see, how, we'll see how the season plays out. No pressure there, Uncle Griff. Okay. Our guys are playing hard. They're working hard. That's right. I, think we'll, I think we'll start winning some basketball games. Oh, I know you will. All right, so let me ask you guys, uh, since I am soon to be a father and a coach and a teacher, which of you thinks that you have the uh, the better dad bod? <laughs> <laughs> Griff. You know, like, <laughs> um, I, I, I thought I had a dad bod, but my son said, no, you don't have a dad bod, you're just fat. So I think I'm past that. These are the hard, these are the hard hitting kind of questions you can expect from us here at Pod for Teacher. <laughs> Oh, go ahead. Actually, I, actually, full disclosure, we totally thought like you sneaking that question into the uh, the outline, you might just miss it and just, just read it. Oh, no, that's the first one I saw. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. <laughs> In all seriousness, though, um, so I think, uh, Chris, you and I have talked about this before. I think Griff maybe as well we brought this up. But it seems to me, at least, like a growing number of student athletes are limiting the number of sports they play in hopes of improving one in, uh, one of those sports enough to make it to that next level. Um, what advice do you have for those students that kind of narrow their focus to one sport as opposed to playing several? Well, I mean, in the 14 years of coaching and teaching, I've had four Division One athletes. And if you, if you break down the numbers, it's such a minuscule number. So kids aren't going to the next level. And even out of those four, I mean, there's two in college right now that, that have a shot to make it big. But that number's so small. So, you know, focusing, well, I say that focusing on one sport is the way to go if you want to go to that Division One level. But how many actually go very few i'm a huge proponent of multiple sports however it does limit you you don't take i mean my sport being baseball you take six months off at a time from throwing and from hitting you know versus my kids that play baseball only they're year-round hitting they come into you know optional workouts starting in february at a much higher level than the kid on your basketball team, Griff, that, you know, was with you for the last three months. So, I mean, I see the pros of playing multiple sports. You know, you have different groups of friends. But, you know, even though the shots are very minimal, I'm a huge proponent of a one-sport person, two max, not a three-sport person. I mean, Griff, you've coached a three-sport person at, you know, at some of your jobs. You know, while they're good at all three sports, have they excelled at any of them? I would say that I'll take the other stance on that, Chris. I think, um, just to put it real simple, you're only a kid once. You only get so many chances to go out there and play, you know, play these games. And that's what they are. They're games. They should be fun. And I get the, like, the work ethic side of it. You've got to put time in. You, you, want, you want dedication from kids. But at the same time, I don't know, like my basketball players to not, you know, have the other experiences outside of basketball. So I, I think play as many sports as you can, have, you know, fun while you can. And uh, another question kind of follow-up. For certain teachers who might be interested in jo jumping into the coaching ranks, we're kind of on the fence, do you have any advice for those folks? Because I've gotten out of the game, as Fitzy and I have, you know. Like we mentioned earlier, maybe they'll give us the John Gruden package years down the road. <laughs> like, Come on back, people. Greatest. <laughs> but any, any advice you might want to give to teachers out there thinking about it? 
one thing I'll say, um, and earlier we mentioned that yeah, it's a big time commitment, and uh, you know it's not easy, but you build some some neat relationships um, outside of the classroom with kids. It's just kind of a different way to get to know kids, and also like you teach kids, but it's a different kind of a completely different way than you do inside the classroom. So it's just it's been a good experience. I mean, sometimes I have frustrations with coaching, but like I wouldn't want to give it up. It's you got to make sure you're in the right situation. You know, if you're going to be at a school that is a high achieving school, you need to make sure your administration supports you. Because if you hit a rough two or three game patch, you're going to see an ugly side of a community. And then on the flip side, if you're on a school, if you're in a school that has zero or very minimal emphasis on their athletics, it's very hard to change that mindset. So just know what you're in, know what you're getting into before you go there, and uh, be ready for a lot more than you planned on. It is the single one, I can't say the single most, I mean, it's one of the top uh, most rewarding things that you can do as a person, and it's because you're changing, changing young kids' lives. Guys. Thanks for coming on and joining us here, Pop for Teacher. It's, it's, it's been a long time coming. We really, we really do appreciate it. We, like the the buttery voice of Jay Griff on the commercial. Like, <laughs> it's like I don't like to repeat the commercials, but my gosh, do I love that one. <laughs> well, um, guys, thank you for having us. Yes, it's been fun, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we come back, our exit ticket and final thoughts. Pod for Teacher is sponsored by Wall South Dakota. Reminding us that if you place a billboard every mile for 100 miles advertising Buffalo Burgers and 5 Cent Coffee, that even the most remote location can become a tourist trap, I mean destination. So after talking with Conan and Griff this morning, what did we learn other than they are much more highly functional after some caffeine and a little breakfast? <laughs> we learned juggling the role as a coach and a teacher is a difficult task, but so beneficial for you and your student athletes. Teaching and coaching are similar in different ways, but rewarding all the same. Building rapport with your students on and off the court is extremely helpful in gaining trust and commitment from them. You know, I'm jealous of your students. They get to listen to your lovely voice day after day, block after block. Like Man. Smooth buttery. Smooth and buttery. Nice. Silky smooth. I, I should just listen to it when I go to sleep at night. You mean you don't you don't call him between classes every every day just that's, to that's make, just up an, make up an excuse why you need to ask that's him a question? Or? Not really. I'm so used to staring into his beautiful brown eyes, but this <laughs> this whole buttery voice thing on top of it, he's, he's the whole package. And you might not be able to, if you don't know who he is, um, someday I hope you meet him. I really do. Now we know why he's not on social media. <laughs> <laughs> That's why 50 girls sign up for volleyball in the middle school. I, I get it now. I Bradley understand. Bradley breaks the internet. That's what. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, I think whether it's athletics or extracurriculars, every teacher should coach, advise, or sponsor something at some point in their careers. You don't need to make a career out of it like Brad and I seem to have done, but Griffin Conan hit the nail on the head. The extra level of connection it allows you to make with your students is one that's unlike anything you've experienced in the classroom setting. It's a great way to reinvigorate yourself and your passion for what you do when you hit this slump of redundancy that we all feel from time to time. And I learned that it's important that our guests aren't hangry. And so a few <laughs> carbs, calories on hand is something that we can use in the classroom, the playing field, and the podcast studio. So good. So good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Full you. disclosure, we did, we did, well, I, I think actually 
uh, Conan seemed to yeah, assume yeah, he, he, yeah. that uh, that We're either bring donuts some sort of or monetary payment or, or breakfast. Nah, or we all know what assumptions do. Was right? yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, that the, the breakfast was going to be provided. Uh, it was not. Uh, so if they if they only joined us because we we. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they thought we were going to be giving them some sort of food. Uh, sorry, guys, that didn't happen, but thanks for joining us nonetheless. So that's all we have for today. We'd like to thank our guests, Chris Conan and Jeff Griffith, for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, except for me, at pod for teacher <laughs> You can follow Aaron Fitzpatrick at A Fitzpatrick CJE. You can follow Nate at Nate Langelli. Please subscribe as a listener on whichever platform you're hearing this podcast. And by the way, we're now on Google Play. Yippee ki yay. <laughs> Uh, and don't forget to rate us. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Happy holidays, Happy everybody. Happy holidays, everybody.